Hello, friends. Welcome to the First Loved Podcast. I've been talking about discipleship, which you've heard numbers of times now, but it is worth repeating. Discipleship is that relationship between a student and a master, an apprentice and a master. And in Jesus' case, it's about us as his students. He's the master. But he talks about what this discipleship process is in Luke 640, where he says, A student is not greater than his master, but when he is fully trained, he will become like the master. And I've said that like the master, even that can sound a little vague, where becoming like Jesus, I think, ultimately is to love like Jesus, to love as Jesus has loved us, where Jesus also said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He loved as he was loved, and we love as we are loved. We love like Jesus. And that it's a training process. When we are fully trained, we will become like him. Well, I just want to highlight a couple of points from last time's podcast, where one is that I talked about the difference between being a Christian and a disciple, and we raise that question about, can you say with true conviction in your heart that you're a Christian or a disciple? And the purpose of asking those two questions were to show that a lot of people think a Christian and a disciple are two different things, when the truth is Christian and disciple are supposed to be the same thing, that once we become believers, we become disciples with Jesus. And his goal for our lives is to change us transformation, to become like him, to love as he loves. Well, today I thought I would just back up a little bit. At the end of the podcast, I was sharing with you the story about my son Nathan going to the Marines and how the sergeant would say to them often, my goal is to drive the civilian out of you, that you are here to become soldiers, that you are here to be trained to be good soldiers and also trained to obey commands and to learn the marine system and to be a part of it. And that likewise, when we become believers, we don't just become Christians where now we're saved and we just kind of idly hang out and do some Christian things until Jesus comes back or we go to see him. But that actually Jesus' goal for our life is to train us, is to drive the civilian out of us, as it were, to drive the old nature out of us, to drive that self-centered lifestyle out of us and transform us to become like him, to love as he loved, to become a servant, to lay our lives down for others. Well, in order to be trained, you have to spend time. And I finished the last one with saying, What will motivate us to spend the time, to make the time? Because it's hard, right? It's hard to make time. And I just want to remind you, I'll probably say it a couple more times along the way, making time to be trained is not just adding something else to your already busy life. Last time, again, I talked about how we have so many responsibilities And the thought of making time to be trained by Jesus just feels like one more thing to have to do. And it can feel overwhelming and daunting or the fact you just like, I can't add another thing. I don't want to add another thing to my life. So I finished with asking that key question. Well, what would motivate us to, first of all, 
make time to actually replace something where we're not adding on, but we're exchanging. We're taking something out of our life to make room for Jesus to train us in our lives. That's where it has to begin for every one of us. No change will happen if we don't spend time. And so the first thing is needing to be motivated to want to spend time. Well, certainly behind that motivation in First Love Ministries is the fact that my experience and the experience of so many others that I've shared this with is that what makes you want to spend time is we were created to be loved. And who doesn't want to spend time with Jesus to come and be loved by Jesus so that we're changed and transformed into those who love like Jesus? At the very heart and soul of everything is this motivation that why wouldn't you want to come and be loved every day in order to turn around and share that love and give it away? That's a huge part of the motivation. And I sort of answered my question at the tail end of last time's podcast by running through a list of verses that came to my mind where, remember in John 15, 10 and 11, Jesus says, if you remain in my love, you will remain in joy. You will experience my joy and your joy will be complete. Again, one of the great motivations is the fact that we were made to be loved and one of the greatest parts about being loved is to experience joy, full, complete, deep, satisfying joy. I mean, who doesn't want that? And then the fact that Jesus said that to follow him is that we'd experience life to the full, to complete, again, satisfying. Or the great mystery that if we lose our lives, if we deny ourselves, he says we will actually find life. So again, one of the great reasons, the great motivations is that there's joy to be had, there's satisfaction to be had, there's purpose to be had. It's worth making the time to be changed in order to be a part of changing others, loving others, and seeing them come into this incredible relationship with Jesus. Well, that would be strong enough motivation, I would think, to get us started. But as I was praying about sharing with you today, the thing the Lord brought back to me was the fact that another huge, strong, compelling motivation is eternity. That when we die, The only thing that really comes with us, and not necessarily with us, but you kind of will get my drift, is that the only thing that lasts is human beings. In eternity, that's all that's going to be there is one another. And it caused me to think about the fact that one of the primary motivations of all this is looking forward to that day to see and experience and find out the difference that your life made in the lives of others. That the greatest reward is going to be there with Jesus and with everyone else and having these moments, I think it's true, where we'll have so many moments of people saying, I am a life that was changed because of your life, because of what you did and invested in me and the time you spent with me and the way you loved me and walked with me. So one of the greatest reasons to become trained, to become like Jesus, is that you get to impact others and see their lives changed, and see them grow. Well, just two weeks ago, it was my birthday, and it came up on Facebook, and a lot of people sent me birthday wishes. And it was really fun. It was wonderful. And I took the time, actually, to respond back to everybody. But one of the people that contacted me through Facebook, and I hadn't heard from in 11 years, was a friend named Scott. 
And Scott and his wife were a part of the very first First Love Weekend we did back in the summer of 2006. And afterwards, he and I went for walks for a while before he and his wife um, went off to do some things together. And I never saw him again until this Facebook post two weeks ago. And he says, Mark, I'm actually working right near you. Can we get together for lunch? So we got together for lunch, and I said, man, update me. What have you been up to? And, you know, do you got kids? And so to find out that he had three kids and all the various things that he's doing. But then without me even asking, he said, Mark, he said, I just got to tell you, that weekend changed my life forever. It totally changed us in terms of this big missions thing we were a part of for months where all we could talk about was this paradigm shift, this worldview shift of it's about being loved and loving as loved. And we had so much fun sharing it. And then to find out that these guys were involved in this athletic missions thing where it was some kind of a world race, but they were rubbing shoulders with people all over the world, spreading the good news of the new command. Then he said, and it's totally been the focus of our parenting of our children that we want them to get from the very earliest years in their lives that it's about the Lord loves you and here's how he loves you and that we speak the verses into their hearts and that we want them to recognize that the center, the focus of their lives is to be loved and to love as loved. And the thing I thought about was without Facebook, I may have never seen him again. And yet in that moment to realize, oh my gosh, in the last 11 years, from one opportunity of the change Jesus did in my life to turn around and share it with these folks on that weekend, and then all the sharing that he and his wife have done since then, and now embedding it into their children so that hopefully their children will continue sharing and giving it away and being change agents in the lives of others. I just thought, man, if, if I, even if I had to wait until eternity— until the day we're in heaven together, to hear that he would be one of how many countless others would come to me and say, Mark, it was because of you. It was because of how you shared just that little thing you did that impacted my life, that changed my life, and then I was a part of changing other people's lives, and on and on and on. Well, this morning reminded me of a song that was just so impactful to me, a song called Thank You by a guy named Ray Boltz. For copyright reasons, I can't share the lyrics or even the tune, but I would encourage you to just look it up in YouTube because it's a wonderful song and the lyrics are very precious. But the gist of the song was the fact that it's a person who is gone to heaven and different ones are coming up to him and telling him, you made a difference in my life. And one was when the guy taught Sunday school, and it was a, a young boy who comes up and says, you know, you may not remember me, but this is what you did in my class, and it changed my life, and I'm just so grateful. I just thank you for what you did. And there's another one that a person gives money in a missions conference-like thing, and someone comes up and it says, because of your gift, it made a difference. But most of all, in the bridge, there's a moment when the person is there standing with Jesus and Jesus takes his hand and eventually says, look all around you, for great is your reward. In my heart, that is probably the most compelling reason in my soul, is to be able to stand with Jesus and have Jesus turn me around to look 
and say, this is how many lives were impacted because of your life. Because of the change I worked in your life and your willingness to share it and to be a part of changing another who changed another who changed another and the whole multiplication process is the overwhelming gratitude that will be going on in heaven of people coming to us and saying, thank you. I'm a life that was changed. You made a difference in my life, both as I lived my life on earth and, of course, to be here in heaven together with you and with the Lord which it caused me to want to finish today telling about the very first person that impacted my life outside of my parents. And I actually Googled it this morning and found his name. And, well, you'll get it as I tell you the story. Here's the deal. We moved from California. Seven years I lived there from four years old to 11 years old. We moved to Wheaton, Illinois. We went to a very small little church And my first year there as a sixth grader, this guy taught the sixth grade boys Sunday school class. His name was Herb Adams. The thing that first impressed me about Herb Adams was to find out that he had been a major league baseball player and played for the Chicago White Sox. So I looked it up today, and sure enough, he was on the White Sox for three years. Why his career was short, I don't know. Eventually, he became a postman. But the thing that was so compelling to me was that he didn't really care so much about that he was a major league baseball player. All he wanted us boys to capture was that the only thing worth living was living for Jesus and making a difference in people's lives. I remember Herb Adams. I remember he was 43 then. When I looked him up, it said that he died in 2012 at 83 years old. I can't tell Herb now, but I can't wait to tell Herb when I see him with Jesus that he was the first person, again, outside my parents, who lived such a compelling life of love. He loved us. He wasn't just teaching a Sunday school class, but he cared about us, all of us sixth grade boys. And he invested time with us. And there was a nursing home nearby. And numbers of times over that year, he took us out to go love and care for those in the nursing home. And we watched him love them over there at the nursing home. And that he invested in us, he loved us, he showed us that the thing that counted more than anything else was not becoming a famous baseball player, was being like Jesus. That's what really mattered, and making a difference in another's life. And as I was praying and trying to remember, I can't say for certain, but I know that I remember going to the seventh grade class and missing Herb Adams and looking forward to when I'd run into him in the hallway or in the church service or on a Sunday night or Wednesday night meeting that I just loved Herb and I knew Herb loved me and that I wanted to become like Herb. I didn't realize I was wanting to become like Jesus, but his life so impacted my life and all I can do is guess, but I'm pretty certain in my soul that it was Herb's influence together with perhaps my parents and whoever was our seventh grade leader, who I have no idea, I have no memory of, but all of these voices that compelled me to go to that retreat, spring of seventh grade, that changed my life forever when I met Jesus and experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it set my life in an entirely new direction forever. And I thought, you know, I'll never be able to tell Herb Adams on earth, thank you. I am a life that was changed, but I can't wait to see him and tell him your life impacted my life and altered its course forever when I was 13, but it was more as a 12-year-old 
what you did in my life, the impact and influence you had on my life to become more like Jesus, to love like Jesus. And what I remembered about him most was that he loved us. He loved me and compelled me to want to become like Jesus as he was like Jesus. What motivates us to make time? Yeah, joy, purpose, meaning, satisfaction, life abundant. All of these things are true, so true. But I think today I want to leave you with a thought that what is most compelling and really moving my soul today was one hearing a testimony last week that the change God did in me impacted another's life who's now impacting his children's life and took the message all over the world. Or the fact that somebody else's life changed my life, impacted my life way back when I was just a sixth grade boy and compelled me, I think, to be a part of going to that youth retreat in seventh grade. The bottom line is, when it's all said and done, (laughs) y'all, when we die and we're in eternity, all that's in eternity is one another. And I want to be there, and I want to be a part of a moment like that where the Lord says, Mark, look, great is your reward. Me changing you, look at the impact you had on changing so many others. Look at the ripple effect. Was there anything worth more than the time and investment you made into becoming like me so that you could impact others and see the change here for eternity. So I love you, praying for you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I just pray that you would begin to really say, Lord, I'm motivated to make time to not add you on, but to replace some things with time with you and time with others. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to do this. Work the motivation deep in our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless everyone. Have a great day.